That's a lot to live up to, isn't it? Everything Jesus said. Even just the way Joseph lived. We can look at the life of Joseph and say, how could I, could I even do that? You know, he's the favored son, remember? Joseph, the coat of many colors. And he has these two dreams where, in effect, he's telling his brothers that all of you plus our parents are going to bow down and worship me. His brothers become very jealous of him and throw him in a pit. They want to kill him. But one of the brothers says, oh, let's not kill him. Look, here comes a caravan. They're going down to Egypt. Let's sell him into slavery. They sell him into slavery. He goes down to Egypt. He rises in Potiphar's house, but then Potiphar's wife is against him. And Joseph, as we learned in our family life and our message downstairs, really could have justified taking advantage of that situation. Really could have allowed Potiphar's wife to have her way with him. It probably would have done him some good, you know. But Joseph remained just. How can I do this wicked thing and sin against God, he said. Potiphar's wife, of course, gets mad, accuses him of, uh, you know, attacking her, and he's thrown in jail. Boy, slavery rises to Potiphar's house, jail, up and down and up and down. In jail, he interprets the dreams, and they come true, and the one that has the good thing, he's restored to his position. He says, remember me? The guy forgets all about him. He goes back to Pharaoh's service and forgets all about Joseph. So Joseph languishes in jail for three more years until Pharaoh has a dream. And then the guy's like, oh, wait, that's right. This guy in jail, Joseph, he interpreted a dream once it came true. Pharaoh, maybe he can do the same. Joseph gets out. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh is so impressed that he puts Joseph in charge of all Egypt, of taking care of the food. During the seven abundant years, he collects all the food to feed Egypt for the seven lean years that are coming. Man, what a life, right? Favored son, slavery, rises to Potiphar's house, jail. Now he's back up again at Pharaoh's right-hand man. He's overseeing. He's basically lord of all Egypt. And now, oh, now comes the, the opportunity we all would dream of. His brothers, they need food. They come down to Egypt. And who do they come before? They come before Joseph himself seeking food. They don't even recognize it's Joseph. And who would? It's been like 20 years. Joseph was sold into slavery. He probably wouldn't even be alive anymore in their minds. They don't even recognize him. But then Joseph, as you know the story, gets to the point where he reveals himself to them. Joseph could have had him killed. Could have had him put into slavery themselves. Could have done whatever he wanted. And he forgives them. And more than just forgives them. He tells them to bring their whole family, bring everybody down to Egypt. It's 70 people in all at this point. And he gives them the good land, Goshen, for their flocks and their herds to be shepherds. And he takes care of them. Could you even do that? Man. In our sinful flesh, we want vengeance. We want to get revenge on people. We want to hold a grudge. We want to hate them. We want to see that Evil's returned for evil. If Joseph wasn't enough to follow, then you get the words of Jesus himself in our gospel. Love your enemies. <sighs> That's pretty hard to do. Love your enemies. And then he adds to it, do good to those who hate you. Not just speak loving words, but now actually do good to them. And beyond that, bless those who curse you. 
Well, how do we use our tongue? Someone curses us, we curse them right back, maybe not even to their face. Maybe we spread this gossip to all the other people to try and destroy their reputation. And pray for those who abuse you. Look at all these things he goes on and on about how to treat our enemies. I'm sure you're aware of the situation in Ukraine with Russia invading. Can you imagine telling the people in Ukraine to love the Russians? Well, love those soldiers, do good to them, pray for them, bless them. And that's exactly what Jesus says here. How, how, how in the world could we ever do that? How could he expect us to do that? Well, did you hear what it says there? Did you hear what Jesus says? Oh, it's what Paul says. I'm looking for what Jesus says. I'm like, it's not there. It's because of how Paul stated it. I'm sorry. Because Paul says, Jesus, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Okay? Paul's talking about the resurrection. How could we ever live this life of what Jesus says? How could we ever emulate Joseph? How could we ever treat people this way in this fallen world? What would possibly give us the strength to even begin to try and love our enemies? It's by looking to Christ. Not just following his example. No, it's much more than that. Because we can't in our sinful flesh. We can't do it, period. Oh, maybe for a split second, but your heart is not truly going to love your enemy because we are sinners to the core. That's why Christ had to come to be the first fruits. And then it talks about the end. It says, then comes the end. And what happens at the end? He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, destroying every rule, every authority, and power. It is Christ who's in full control. It's Christ who will destroy our enemies at the end. And what is God's will ultimately? God desires all to be saved. It's not for us to exact vengeance. It's not for us to hate people. It's to spread God's love to them, knowing that no matter what they do to us, they can't take away what Christ has given to us. Knowing that no matter what they have done to us, no matter whether Russia invades or whatever goes on in the situation over there, at the end, Christ will destroy every rule. Christ will destroy every authority. Christ will destroy every power that rises up against him. And finally, Christ will even destroy death. God's got it all in his hands. He's got it all in control. It's not for us to try and control the situation. It's not even for us to fully understand how God is going to work through situations, whether it's Russia and Ukraine or whether it's in your own life with you and another person. What we need to realize is that God is in full control and he's given us eternal life. And that cannot be taken away from us. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. No one can take that away from you. Your enemy can't take that away from you. They can't curse it away from you. They can't slap it away from you. They can't kill you and take it away from you. There's nothing Satan can do. There's nothing your enemies in this world could do to take it away from you. It is yours, eternal life, now, in your possession. And no one can take it away from you. So who cares how people treat us? Do we not look to Christ and see him on the cross? Do we not look to see how the world treated Jesus himself and expect different for us? And therefore, Jesus says, love your enemies. 
because he wants us to be a shining light in this world. That's what epiphany is all about, to be that shining light of his love and his grace and his mercy, even to the people that would spit in our face, put a crown of thorns on your head, crucify you upside down, run you through with a spear, throw you off the temple like they did some of the apostles, stone you, beat you, mock you, make fun of you on Facebook. Doesn't get any worse than that, does it? This is how we live that life. Not looking to Jesus and trying to emulate him, but by literally receiving Jesus, by being Jesus, by becoming Jesus, by having him in us. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Eternal life given to us. So as Joseph welcomed his brothers and loved them, may we also welcome our enemies and love them. May we pray for our enemies. May we pray for Russia, for Ukraine, for all those around the world that are being killed for all those around the world that are suffering, for those that make our life maybe a living hell that cause us to suffer. May we pray for them, love them, do good to them. St. Paul says in one other part in his writings, he says, heap burning coals upon their head. Fill them with so much love, you overwhelm them and you start that fire of life in them because there's nothing they can do to take away what God has given to you. Don't focus on what the world does to you. Don't focus on what the world says about you. Focus on what God has said about you. He says, you are my beloved child, and with you I am well pleased. God says, I've given you eternal life, and nothing can take you away from me. His love is greater than any hatred in this world. His love is greater than anything. May we rest in that love tonight and always, knowing that it is yours in Christ Jesus who gave his life for you. Amen.